Hello and welcome to the podcast version of The Good World. Uh, what you are about to listen to was recorded on video, so sometimes there will be allusions to YouTube or things that are happening visibly, um, and you will also hear my dog Charlie in the background, probably, um, and so I apologize if you can't see it, but hopefully you can enjoy the audio version, uh, and you can find the video version at goodworld.love. Thanks. Okay, hello. Good morning. Dog morning to you, as Charlie might say. He's, I don't know if you can see him, but he's back there beeping. I know. We're going to go to the dog park. There's a whole, um, the whole Charlie language and syntax that Susie and I have come up with. I mean, it varies a lot, but it involves mispronouncing a lot of things. And the dog park is the parp with a P, two P's. Uh, anyway, hi. Um, so I had a, we had a really lovely weekend down in Amador County, which is about an hour and a half south of here, uh, drinking some wine and looking at nature, and it was great. Um, Charlie was sad because we left him at a, sort of a, not a doggy daycare, but like a, you know, dog, well, they do daycare, but, um, like an overnight dog camp, he got to hang out with a bunch of dog friends for a few days. So he was sad when we left, but then he kind of got into it and had a good time. And now he's really tired. Um, we're going to go kind of a weird way today because I am going to go and get a COVID test because that's just, you know, we went somewhere else for the weekend. And so um, just to um, just to check check that box and cover bases and, you know, pick your other metaphor. Um, also, I'm very excited about this, but my, uh, my dad is coming out here to visit this coming weekend. Um, I haven't seen him in over a year and he just got vaccinated. Um, well, not just at this point, it's been, uh, I think over a month since he got his second shot. So he's, you know, he, his, his vaccine should be up to sort of full effectiveness at this point. So he's coming out from New York, which will be great. We haven't, um, I've, I haven't seen my dad in over a year. It'll be really nice to see him. Um, but the COVID test is also partially to like make sure, um, I'm getting a, I'm getting a, a regular test today and a rapid test tomorrow. Tomorrow is Wednesday. This is probably going to go up on Wednesday. So for you, it's today. Uh, but anyway, he flies in on Thursday. I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, we don't have, um, we, even though he's vaccinated, you know, we don't want to sort of push, uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine. And I really don't want to kill my dad. So, um, uh, sometimes I totally want to kill him, but I don't literally want to kill him. So, um, currently on the way, Charlie is going to be very sad when he finds out that we have to stop for five minutes to get a COVID test, but, um, you know, he'll, he'll deal. Uh, anyway, um, so something I wanted to sort of talk about a little today. Um, you know, in, so, uh, there is a lot of, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of conflict is probably the right word for it in the world right now. Um, including, uh, I mean, it's sort of everywhere, but it's also very much, um, here in the U S where I live. Um, and, um, I'm going to go this way so I don't have to get stuck behind all those cars. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of conflict. That there is uh, racial tension and there is 
gender inequity and there's like gender identity conflict. There's, there's, there are all of these different dimensions. Um, and, and there is anti-Semitism as, uh, you know, a, 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 as a person of at least Jewish ethnicity, uh, that's, that's not a thing that I should leave unmentioned. Um, there's also, uh, you know, anti-Islamism, um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there is also anti-Christianity in in places, um, although it's uh, so something that I'm going to talk about here for a moment. Um, I think will will sort of help uh, explore my feelings on that a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think there's a fair question that is given the number of like straight white dudes we have in the media space. Why am I a straight white dude? putting this, this channel out there and, and, you know, putting my voice out into the world and, uh, and thinking that anyone needs to hear anything from me right now, um, which is a completely fair question. Um, and there are, there are a couple things. I mean, one is, you know, I, um, my, my voice is all I have, right? I can't, um, I can elevate other people's voices. And, you know, I think if, if this channel gets to a point where I can like, pay other people to help out and give other people a platform, um, I absolutely want to do that. Um, and that's, that's certainly part of the plan, but here at the outset, you know, it's, it's just me and, um, it's, it's just going to be me until it's not. Um, and so all, all I have is my voice. Um, but I also, there is an element to which, well, there are a couple things. So this is sort of what I was about to say about like anti-Christianity. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I will just admit that, like, that is, uh, that is not a thing that I, like, see a lot of personally, but I also take people at their word when, um, when they experience things. And I also think that, generally speaking, we sort of tend to view any form of, like, bigotry and hatred as being its own thing, and they're really all bound up together. They're all sort of different, um, different manifestations of the same underlying, uh... I don't even want to say problem, but like tendency of humans towards, um, towards drawing boundaries between ourselves and other people and sort of viewing things in terms of us and them. Um, and so as, as a straight white man who, uh, you know, grew up, as I've mentioned with, um, kind of an, an aristocratic background, right? Like, um, you know, it, we, I, I think I've said this before, but like we didn't have enough money to do literally everything, but like our choices were not severely constrained in the way that I think most people are. Um, you know, we, I mean, I went to private school uh, for, from third grade through the end of undergrad, and I did five years of undergrad because uh, that it's a longer story, but like, you know, none of, none of this was a problem, and meanwhile, um, most of the country these days has to make really, really hard choices based on money between, like, you know, putting food on the table and getting treatment for, uh, for a serious medical condition. Um, and those are the kinds of choices that I don't think people should have to face. Um, but so why, why another straight white dude? Uh, you know, most of the people, most of the other straight white dudes out there who have channels like this, um, spend a lot of time talking about their own grievance and sort of how, you know, the world isn't treating them as being 
as great as they think they are. Um, and I think that's a load uh, of nonsense. It's a, it's a bunch of malarkey. I know, Charlie. Um, you know, one one thing about being a like non-threatening, well-funded, straight white dude is that I have been able to move through the world without a whole lot of... You know, no one sees me walking up and says, here comes trouble, right? For the most part, I walk in and I'm smiling and I, you know, have this big bushy beard. I mean, I didn't always, but I, I still always had the, the same face and I'm not very tall and I'm kind of pudgy. And so I walk up and people are like, oh, you seem like you're not going to hurt me. Let's, let's interact. Um, and I think, you know, from that perspective, I am, I think I have a decent vantage point on um, on the entire system and the way that all of these things are uh, are connected to each other um, and I think the thing that makes that easiest for me is that I haven't had a lot of people making me feel unsafe for who I am um, and I think about it a lot in terms of you know what our what our brains are doing fundamentally at any given time is just trying to survive. And if we feel like there is a thing that urgently needs our attention to ensure our survival, um, say there is, you know, bigotry where we, or, or it doesn't even have to be bigotry, any force that is outside of us that we think is threatening our, our lives, our peace, our well-being, um, we, our, our brain wants to devote, uh, understandably, our brain devotes all of its attention and energy to sort of fighting that one particular problem or you know even if it's a it's even if it's sort of a constellation problem of problems that's where our attention goes um and i don't you know it's it's an incredible privilege but like i don't really have um any major threats to me at any given time i mean you know anti-semitism is sort of there lingering in the background and there are plenty of people in both the world and in america today who think that like Jews are uh, a secret cabal, like, getting together to plan the media or something. I don't know. Um, we're not. We can... We have enough trouble. There's... I, someone once said to me, it's hard enough to get two Jews to agree on what to order for dinner. I'm not sure how you think you can get us all to agree on how to control the media. Um, but, you know, it's an appealing narrative, and it's an old narrative. And if you're feeling unhappy with your life... Um, our natural instinct and the way our brain is wired is to try to find someone to blame. Um, and so because I'm in this position where I don't really have these active threats to my well-being, um, I can also sort of step back and see the way in which blaming any one person for these large systemic problems is not a solution to the problem. Um, and for the most part, the people who, uh, who sort of engage... Um, and, and perpetuate these problems um, are doing so because they don't, you know, their, their world has sort of put them in a position where they have come to believe that what they are doing is the good and just thing to do. And so if someone sees themselves as, um, as on the side of truth and justice and right, the solution is not to, if, if you condemn them and say, no, you're evil, you're evil, you're evil, they're just going to think, like, well, no, I'm not. And they'll get stronger in that belief. Um, and the way, the only way that our brains can overcome, you know, so I, so I mentioned the, the survival instinct, and that is, that's really built into our, 
our brains for pretty obvious reasons, right? Just like evolutionarily, if you don't have a survival instinct, you won't survive. Um, but the problem is we're, we are, we get a lot of false positives, right? Like people have sort of, you know, you probably know the idea of like a COVID test telling you you have COVID if you don't, I mean, false negatives with COVID tests are more common where, uh, it tells you, um, you don't, but it turns out you actually do and it's just not presenting, but that's, uh, you know, but hopefully people understand false positives and false negatives. Uh, if not, that's a thing I can elaborate on at some point. Um, but our, our brain is the like decision-making system in our brain that says, am I currently threatened is wired to be overly sensitive to the possibility of threat which means more false positives than more false negatives. Um, that's that's just a fact of the way that our brains are wired, um, and there's it's it's natural, right? It's not a, it's not a bad thing, but it does lead us to react very strongly to anything that that sort of triggers the part of our brain that says, "Oh, I'm I I need to I need to go into defense mode," um, and so you know, being in my position where I don't have as much of that, I can sort of step back and see like, oh, all of these people, like everyone thinks that they are defending themselves against everyone else. Um, and that's not to say that everyone is wrong, right? A lot of people are right. Racism is very real. Um, I know from my grandmother's experience um, in the Nazi concentration camps that anti-Semitism can be uh, extremely real and extremely, um, can, can be a force for doing a lot of harm. Um, so it's not to it's not to dismiss any of these underlying threats as fake, um, but the the thing that's really complicated is the way that our brains are wired. When we see a threat, is is with defensiveness. You know, if you're if you're threatened by like a tiger or whatever, um, your I think I go this way, um, then your uh, your brain is going to be like kill the tiger, and so if you're threatened by someone from a different tribe, your brain is going to say, destroy this person. Um, and the problem is, you know, we, we are not in, there's, there's more to our lives than just these like isolated one-on-one -on -one interactions. Um, we have, there, there's an entire ecosystem of humanity. Um, you know, I, I said something to Susie recently where it's like, you can, if you drill down, it's just like webs on webs on webs or webs within webs within webs, right? Like, sure, you have a connection to one person, but they have, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of connections to other people. And so do you. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you kill someone in self-defense, well, there are still a lot of people who are going to be really negatively affected by that, um, who had nothing to do with it. And you're just like increasing the amount of pain and suffering in the world. Um, this unfortunately is where we're going to pause. Uh, cause I just got to my COVID test. Charlie has a lot of feelings cause he knows we're not at the dog park and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, anyway, I'll be, I'll be back in, uh, uh, I'll be back in a Charlie, which is Charlie's unit of time. Uh, it is a unit of time. There's no consistency to it. So, uh, it's just a vague, I'll be back in a Charlie. Okay. Bye. Okay, hi. Yes, I know, Beeps. I know. I know. I love you. You're okay. You're okay. Okay. Well, that was that was good. That was in and out in much less than five minutes, like three minutes. Um, it's nice to nice to be out in the country sometimes.
just a lot fewer people around, which for an introvert like me is uh, just lovely. It's, it's, a, it's a thing I appreciate very, very much. Uh, okay, so I was talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the ecosystem of human interaction. Um, and so something that I think is really hard um, is we have, we have a lot of conflict and we can't just ignore it or pretend it's not there or dismiss it, right? Like, feelings are valid. If someone feels hurt, um, then, then their feelings are valid. Um, but the solution isn't, you know, we, we have been sort of trained by, um, conditioned is maybe even a better word for the psychologists out there, but, um, we've been, we've been trained by our society, our environment, um, our, our, uh, both academic and financial, like economic systems. Um, we have been trained to think that the way to resolve conflict is to fight it out and whoever wins the fight wins the conflict. And that is incredibly unhealthy, um, and it doesn't actually resolve the underlying conflict ever. Um, you know, something I have, uh, I've now been married for two and a half years, um, and we have, I mean, we have all kinds of conflict, and sometimes it's bigger and sometimes it's smaller, but, you know, if, uh, if all I did was shout down my wife and tell her I think she's wrong when my feelings are hurt, then all that would do is hurt her feelings and she wouldn't understand what hurt my feelings and, and vice versa. And we, we have gotten pretty good at like communicating, you know, there's, there's sort of a classic style of like, when you do X, it makes me feel Y. Um, and, uh, also I hope hope people are okay with variables. I'm a math nerd, so I, I will often throw a lot of, like, random letters at you to represent something that could be anything. Um, but, you know, we don't, we don't resolve our conflict by trying to win the fight. We resolve our conflict by trying to understand each other, um, and by trying, and, and, and it goes both ways, right? It's not just understanding each other. It's, it's, both making ourselves understood and being able to listen to someone else. Um, and that is a really, really hard thing to do in the current environment. I mean, it's hard enough in a marriage. So think about how much harder it is on Twitter with an anonymous, you know, someone with, uh, with like a bunch of numbers in their handle when they say something that really, really hurts you. It's, it's, it takes so much emotional energy to sit there and say, you know, you're not understanding. I, I don't think I'm like communicating myself clearly. Here's what I'm feeling. You know, I understand that you feel X. Um, and it's also really hard because, you know, I think there is a difference. There's, there's sort of a common, uh, phrase. There are two sides to every story. And I think, I think that is something that is both broadly true and also is like often applied incorrectly, right? Like there are not, there are, there are two experiences for every interaction, right? Like, each, each of the two people who are interacting have their own experience, um, and it's not right to say that one experience is true and one experience is false. Um, but 
one thing that our that our society also encourages us to do, and this is part of the way that we like have this tendency to resolve conflict through fighting um, and through superiority and asserting dominance and all of that nonsense, um, is we fight over the narrative, right? And so and and so it is true that. Um, you know, two different people in an interaction or in a conflict will have their own experiences and perspectives. Um, but what we often do is fight over which narrative is true. This person's narrative is true. You know, the one person says, I don't know, look, a, a, a really common thing in our society is like a woman makes an accusation of some kind of sexual misconduct against a man. And the, the, the fight becomes, did it happen, did it not? Um, and from my own experience, what I will say is that often um, we straight men in this society are so conditioned to, um, to think of women as, uh, as, as, I mean, not even necessarily our property, though sometimes as our property, but as, um, as a game, right? Like, it is, it is our goal to get whatever sex uh, or sexual interaction we want out of a woman and it is their job to resist and so it is our job to break down those defenses. I'm not saying that's true. It's not It's not the way things should be. It's. It does a lot of harm um, and it's taken me a long time to learn to not do it, but it is a huge part of our culture is that perspective and so it's often the case, I think, it's, it is the case in my experience, that, um, that men will do things that are really hurtful to women without realizing that they're doing it. Um, and it is also the case in my experience that, and I'm not saying that like if someone does something terrible to you, it is your job to, um, to talk to them calmly about it. I don't think that's the case either. Um, but you know, we tend to fight over like this person's narrative is true. No, this person's narrative is true. And narratives are not truth regardless. Experiences are true. Um, and so we need to it's it's really hard, but I think it's really important for all of us to to try to practice being better at communicating our own experiences and our own feelings, um, and to to learn to listen to other people. Um, and you know, again, I think a, a lot of people there's there's a tendency to take good ideas. I know, Charlie. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap this up, pal. Um, there's a Something I said to a friend last night is that good ideas are really often used to disempower people. Um, and, and I don't think you can do that with a bad idea. And so you take a good idea, like we should try to listen to each other more, we should try to communicate better. Um, and that is often used to say, like, well, your pain, you know, oh, I, I, know, I know you uh, feel bad about being... Uh, hurt or assaulted or abused in whatever way, um, but you should try to, you, you need to empathize with the person who did that to you. Um, and that's not what I'm saying, right? It's not your, it's not your responsibility to care for someone else. Um, but I think there is a lot of room for growth for all of us if we can try to practice that where possible. Um, and also recognizing that it's not always possible. Um, so if someone tells you to listen to this uh, and, and they're going to tell you that I'm saying you need to, you know, shut up and get over it, that's not what I'm saying. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to process things that hurt us um, and that other people do to us. And again, like, my place in the world has made it much easier for me to do that because it's given me a lot... There's a lot of personal stuff I've had to process, but there's... I have had to process far less systemic pain 
then other people, I mean, you know, it's sort of in my family, it's like gone through. It was, <laughs> it was really true for my grandmother, but like that, the, these things have been very personal and very attached to specific people for me, um, in a way that they're not for everyone. And so I understand that, um, that other people's experiences are different. Um, but I, I am trying to find, I, I want to live in a better world, um, and a world where, where no one has to deal with any kind of bigotry or oppression. And we have, we have the resources to do it. Um, but there are a lot of human tendencies that, uh, that stand in our way. Um, and so that's sort of what I'm trying to talk about here. Um, cause that is, that is the piece I think I can contribute. Um, and, and that is the thing that I think distinguishes me a bit from a lot of the other, uh, people who look like me on the internet. Um, we're going to stop there because we're at the dog park. And as you can tell, Charlie is very excited to, to get out there. Um, but we'll pick up on the way back um, with talking about uh, the, the world that we can have, the good world. That's the name of the show. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Beeps. Okay, Beeps. I know. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. I made you wait so long. Yeah, come on. Hi, just a quick reminder from here at the dog park uh, to please click like and subscribe and share this and comment and, uh, you know, do the do the things you uh, know how to do, because uh, that's that's how this can be a thing that I can do all the time. I mean, I guess it is, but like, you know, long term would be uh, would be really nice. I would like that. Uh, and hopefully you would, too. If you wouldn't, don't click like or subscribe. But. Uh, but if you do like this, please, uh, continue to like it, and like, like, it. Okay, thank you. Okay, hi. We are leaving the dog park. Charlie is happily lying down. He had a really nice time catching up with his friends. We haven't been here in a few days, because I was out of town. Charlie was at doggy camp. So he's very excited to get to, get to play with his pals again. Um, so, uh, picking up, I mean, I, I, I do want to continue talking about the, about the good world. Um, but I was, something I was just sort of thinking about on, uh, the way out here, um, or on the way out of the dog park to the car. Um, so, uh, a thing that I think is like worth explaining given the moment in time, um, you... You have not seen me wearing a mask, uh, I think, at all on this show, um, but I, I do. Anytime I go into anywhere or have close interaction with anyone, um, what's nice about the dog park out here is that um, it's two acres and it's really big and um, there's just enough room to, to keep a, a good distance from other people. Um, so I mostly, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes when there are folks who sort of seem like they might be at higher risk, um, and, you know, when, especially if there are, um, other people wearing masks, I will, uh, I will usually bring the mask, and I'll sometimes put it on, um, but anyway, that's, that's what that's about, um, but I was also thinking about, I had this sort of, like, imagined reaction, uh, from a hypothetical, uh, commenter, which is, you know, reflective of, of a thing that I see a lot, which is the idea of, like, 
a, a thing that we say a lot to each other when we don't like someone else's behavior is you should be ashamed, right? You should be ashamed of yourself. And the thing about shame um, is that it is it is powerful, but it's a weapon. It's not a shame is not it, it's it's not a it's not an ingredient for building yourself up, right? It's not a uh, you know you you if. If you think of, like, I guess I mean material, not ingredient, but, like, if you think of building a house, you know, you have you have bricks and mortar and lumber and whatever else is going into a house. Um, and shame is like dynamite, right? And you can, you can tell someone else to dynamite their house, um, but that's not really going to help them have a good place to live. Um, and... You know, even if it's an eyesore, or if the house is, like, let's say the house is, I don't know, I'm going to torture this metaphor. Um, a thing I said to a friend last night is, uh, uh, metaphors are the only thing that it's actually good to torture. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll torture this metaphor a little. Like, let's say there's a house in my neighborhood that is, um... Uh, just using, let's say it's just using all of the energy that the power company allocates to the neighborhood. And like somehow as a result, everyone else has a brownout. Um, demanding that someone dynamite the house is not the same as like talking to them about ways to address this issue. It's just blowing someone else up because of their problem. And it's, and so it's not to say that like, when we say to someone, you should be ashamed of yourself, or, or shame on you, or whatever, um, the underlying problem that we're talking about is generally real, um, but, but encouraging shame does not, it, it tends to make things worse, um, and a lot of the, the worst behaviors that we are capable of come out of a sense of shame, um, and, a, and a sense of worthlessness. Um, so part of what I am trying to encourage here, and again, it's a lot easier for me because I don't um, feel threatened by a lot of the people that I interact with because um, they're because they don't feel threatened by me. Um, but you know, just 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 shaming people is not going to be a way to make things better. I mean, the you know, a really good example of the power of shame is that um, after World War One, the German people were you know, dealing with the collapse of an empire and the the aftermath of a horribly violent, brutal, deadly, awful, awful war um, that they, you know, didn't even get to say, like, at least if you win the awful war, you can say, you can tell yourself it was worth it. Um, but if you lose the awful war, then it's just, it, it becomes really clear how wasteful um, and just how much pain is produced by all of that violence. Um, and, you know, Germany also underwent, there was, like, lots of hyperinflation, so their economy tanked. Um, and so there was just a lot of shame attached to being German. And those are the conditions in which someone like a Hitler can arise, right? When people feel shame, they look for someone who will make them feel better. Um, and that is... Those are the circumstances in which we tend to be sort of most susceptible to becoming violent, to becoming um, hateful. 
um, is when we feel shame and we put the we it's it's shame and blame right we feel shame we blame someone else and then we take our shame out on someone else um, and that doesn't solve anything and so shaming people um, is a really counterproductive way to try to make things better um, and so that's that's just a, a thing I was thinking about and I wanted to to sort of um, lead I, I, I wanted to mention that as a lead into talking about the good world um, because I think you know we exist what's really hard is that we exist within this giant like social emotional ecosystem where all of us are interacting with each other all the time and all of those interactions produce feelings in us they produce feelings in other people and our feelings are just based on how our brain our brains are wired um how our brains are briared uh our feelings are the things that that drive a lot of our actual actions um you know there's uh there's a bit of a tangent but there's some good social science daniel kahneman and amos tversky whose uh work on behavioral economics won uh, a nobel prize which i know the economics nobel prize is like not officially a nobel prize but whatever they did good research on like psychology and economics um they refer to the brain as operating in system one and system two and system one is like your gut reactions and system two is uh is your rational thought process and the order that's that's the order for a reason because system one is the one that kicks in first um but a thing that i think we all have a really hard time recognizing is that even when we think we're working with system two we're actually very often because our brains are just trying to conserve energy and not trying to think too hard what we will often do is act out our feelings and then come up with a, a rational justification for it um, and so pretty much anytime anyone is saying it's okay for me to hurt this person because of x uh, usually x is because i was hurt by them or by someone like them um, that is that's just our brain coming up with a justification for um for the feelings that we don't know how to process um and so to make the world better we we can't just leave the pain that we feel we can't ignore it because it will cause us to lash out and and to continue hurting each other um but it's also really important to recognize that when we lash out at each other even if we can come up with a justification for it it's ultimately doing it's doing harm on a small level but it's also doing bigger harm on levels that we don't have the ability to see right like if you if you shame someone you don't see what happens to that shame and what they do downstream um and it feels like the right thing to do but it's it's ultimately going to have you know in in any war when there is violence there are just a lot of of like downstream negative consequences and that's what happens even with really small amounts of emotional violence that we enact on each other that we don't even necessarily think of as emotional violence we tend to think of them as justice um, and that's that's part of the problem so um the good world is uh it's it's the term that i use for a really old idea which is just the idea of a world where we get to um we get to live in peace and we get to enjoy the the, the bounty of wonder all around us because i've 
said this before, but the world is bottomlessly amazing. Um, if we have both the capacity and the means and the support to engage with it. Um, and all of those things are important, right? You, it's, none of us can do it on our own. Um, I certainly can, and I'm, I am at this place in my life because of, yes, a lot of work on, on, I've done a lot of work on myself, but like, you know, with my therapist, um, who has given me a lot of help, and also I've had a lot of love and support from uh, my wife and my family. I was waving at the waving guy. Um, uh, one day, maybe I'll stop and talk to him and find out his name. Um, anyway, so, uh, so the good world, you know, there are, I mean, you can, you can find this idea all over the place, right? It's also the idea of utopia. Um, Martin Luther King talked about it a lot. Um, I, I, I am, I believe it's the same thing he was referring to. He talked about the beloved community, which is, you know, he talks about the world where people are judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Um, you know, I think my version is, um, we don't judge anyone and we just help them improve the content of their character because the content of their character doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from, it comes from a lot of systems that are much bigger than any individual. Um, and so the good world is one where, um, where we all learn to understand each other and to support each other. It's, it's taking the kind of relationship that I have with Susie where, yes, there is conflict sometimes, but we try to understand each other, we try to communicate, we try to work through our conflict in a productive way rather than, you know, launching emotional bombs at each other or actual bombs at each other. Um, because conflict can be resolved that way. It's harder and it takes more energy and it doesn't feel as good as, you know, lashing out at someone feels good. That's the reason we do it, because um, our brains are wired to have that feel good. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't make the world better. It, it just increases the level of anger and violence in the world. Um, and so, so the good world is one where we, we are able, we have the emotional space and the emotional freedom and the economic freedom and the, the physical freedom um, to work through the things that need working through instead of having to constantly feel like we're in survival mode. Um, and this world is possible, and the reason I know that it's possible is because I am fortunate enough to live in it. You know, again, non-threatening white dude, I get extended these things um, without trying, and that's really nice for me, but it's also what everyone else deserves. All of everyone deserves to live like I live, um, and frankly, the world would be much better. Um, and you know, my—I mean, on on the economic side, again, like there there are sort of obviously different levels of what is possible, but we we have enough collective wealth to meet everyone's basic needs, so that people aren't struggling to survive. Uh, you know, against poverty and and um, and hunger and homelessness and things like that, um, we could we could very easily meet those needs and still have a lot of money for a lot of people to be really rich. It would not be that hard. Um, the main effect of all of the poverty we have is to trap a lot of people in wage slavery. Um, it's not. I'm 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 not going to weigh in on whether that's intentional, but it's certainly uh, a major result. Um, is that you know. 
we can we can get really cheap labor and then someone else can get rich off of someone's uh, uh, cheap labor. Um, you know, we've we've moved beyond, uh, at least in the U.S., we've moved beyond like chattel slavery and people um, being forcibly trapped into into servitude and we've we've moved to a system where we have some rationalizations uh, just as they did then right they had rationalizations about who was superior and who was inferior and uh, you know that I mean there were there were all kinds of rationalizations that slavery was a service being done for black folks by white folks um, we can pretty easily look back now and see the horrible injustice and um, and, and motivated reasoning of that. Motivated reasoning is a, is a psychology term, but it basically means just telling yourself a story to justify the things that you're doing. Um, and with big things we've inherited and injustices, like slavery in the past or like economic injustice today, we inherit these things and to really engage with how cruel they are and how unjust they are um, is really hard for us and so we come up with these narratives about, oh, those people are lazy, and if they worked harder, they would get out of that. And, you know, meanwhile, we have these great uh, industrialist leaders who are uh, deserving of all of the wealth in the world and, you know, unlimited power because they have done so much greatness for society. And I think we really underestimate how many of those uh, poor wage workers had they received the same investment as someone like me or or a billionaire, um, they could have done a lot for society as well. Um, and so, the good world uh, is is a place where we sort of understand these things and and learn to see learn to see how much the injustice in our world is inherited so that we can work together against it instead of fighting over legacy, instead of fighting over narrative, instead of fighting over who's good and who's bad and who deserves shame and who doesn't. Um, we can just live together in peace uh, and really enjoy and appreciate each other and all of the different things that, um, that each of us bring to the table. Because we do, all of us are unique and interesting in our own way and have our own thing that, that we bring. Um, and it's really easy to dismiss that on the basis of these much larger systemic issues. Um, and we, I, I think it's important to be able to see both. Um, but it's really hard to see both unless the world gives you the support you need. Um, and so, you know, the good world is, is a world in which each of us is individually, I think we have to start with ourselves, right? You can't, you can't lead someone else to peace if you can't find it for yourself. Um, and, and that's an ongoing process, right? I'm trying to lead people to peace, uh, because I've gotten a lot better at finding it for myself, but I'm not perfect. I still mess up all the time. And, um, and sometimes I get snippy or, or whatever. Um, but I'm trying and I, and I have a direction that I'm pointing. Um, and so I, you know, the thing with the good world is it's really hard, but it is possible. Um, and it takes, it takes a bit of work from all of us. It takes setting aside our egos because we really get defensive about the idea that we are right and someone else is wrong. And instead of thinking about things as being right or wrong, we have to think about things as, as sort of what is, you know, what builds peace, what doesn't build peace, what, what builds violence. Um, and, but it's, all of this is doable. You know, I have gone from a world in which I was determined to prove how right I was to a world in which I can see how sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong and the bigger picture is so much more than me. Um, 
And getting, but getting to the world is not just about doing the work ourselves, and it's certainly not about making other people do the work. It's also about supporting other people, um, and that means everyone. Like, blanket support for everyone to have just the basic resources to, um, to engage with the world on their own terms instead of being forced into defensive mode and survival mode. Um, because right now we are just dealing with these massive, massive ancient ricochets of, you know, the pain of, of human beings, literally the pain of human beings thousands of years ago, passed on through generations, bounced off of other populations. Um, and, and, you know, this pain is both population level and individual level, right? Anti-Semitism is a thing that has had a huge effect on Jews throughout the world, but also my grandmother, like, had had her family members murdered and had a lot of individual pain. Um, and both of those things are there and both of those things are real. And we we can't ignore them, but we're not going to find a path to the good world if we keep taking our pain out on each other. The only thing that will ever make it better is us finding a way to really work towards healing um, and and to be patient with each other and to be compassionate with each other. Um, and again, I'm not saying you're a bad person if you're not compassionate. Uh, I'm not saying it's your responsibility. I don't really believe at this point in, in good or bad people. I don't really believe in obligation. I just think, I think we have an opportunity in this life to make things a little better. And I think the more we can do for that, the more satisfied we will be and the better the world will be. Um, and, you know, even if we can't get uh, to the good world in my lifetime, first off, I do think it's possible, um, but I don't think it's easy, and I think it's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a whole lot more than just me. Um, but I, I do think it's possible. And if we get to that world in my lifetime, like, that's amazing. That's an amazing world to live in, where also our technology would be so much better. All of the things that are that are wondrous in our world um, could be better if there were more people who sort of had the freedom and power to engage with them and engage with things that they are interested in and passionate about and find their voice instead of sort of being forced into a position where for survival they have to serve the needs of someone who has a lot of uh, who has accumulated a lot of wealth and power um, or in my case inherited uh, not necessarily a lot but like far more than most people have um, anyway, uh, so obviously we're home, um, but that's the good world, uh, the beloved community utopia. It's also quite honestly what I think that Jesus was talking about when he talked about the kingdom of God. That's going to probably upset some people, uh, and I'm sorry. Um, and you know, I'm, I, I'm not Christian, so like that's, don't think of that as interpreted within the lens of Christian thought. Um, but you know, he, when you hear things like the kingdom of God is within you, the kingdom of God is already among you. That's how I feel about the good world, right? The good world is, it is, it is my life. It is here. Um, it is here. If we set aside our ego and our desire to, to fight each other and, um, and outrank each other and all of that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sort of erase the, um, the theological aspects of Jesus, of what Jesus was talking about. Um, I have, you know, evolving thoughts on theology, um, that are different from his. And so I'm not trying to say this is what Jesus meant. Um, but there's a whole lot of overlap, uh, between 
the idea of the kingdom of God where where we stop destroying God's children around us um, and the good world where we also stop destroying God's children around us. Um, there's there's also a lot of Buddhism in this and I've like gotten much more into uh, I mean Buddha Buddha and Jesus uh, are really two of my favorite philosophers at this point and I've like gotten really interested in the things that both of them have had to say but that's that's going to be a thing for another day because um, as you can tell since we've stopped uh, we're home. Um, Charlie really wants to go inside and see Susie. Uh, and so we're going to do that. Um, I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to, we'll, we'll do a little meditation and then, uh, and then you can go on your way. Um, but thank you for, thank you for sharing your time with me this morning and thank you for listening. And, uh, I hope you all have a splendid day and I'll be back in a minute. Um, say goodbye to Charlie. Goodbye to Charlie. Yeah. Goes there. Yeah, I know. We're gonna go inside. We're gonna go inside. Please like and subscribe. 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 Just wanna, um, I wanna do another, uh, a quick little intro again to talk about meditation. I mean, I've I've done this before, but it actually, um, I think. Uh, connects pretty nicely to this idea of the good world that I was just talking about. So I, I think it's worth making the connection here. Um, I recorded a conversation at this point several months ago that I will post at some point. I've like, in, in sort of the run-up to doing this channel, I wasn't really sure what to do, where to start, so I recorded some conversations with the, some friends. Um, and they are, I, I think they are interesting conversations, um, and I will post them at some point. I need to like... I think I need to record an intro to them. It's probably a good idea to give a little context for like who the people are. Um, but so that hasn't happened yet. But you'll you'll get to see this conversation at some point. Is is sort of what I what I'm getting at. Um, but I had a conversation with um, Michelle Lee Weldon, who is a um, she specializes in. I think she's. I, I don't, she she wears a lot of hats, and she even talks about that in the conversation. But she's um, she's a trained uh, psychologist and. Um, uh, and specializes in like trauma and healing from trauma and, um, and she does a good amount of, of coaching and stuff. Um, uh, anyway, one of the things that she mentioned me to me, so I, I had started meditating, um, last year as a way of, um, of managing my own trauma that I've been recovering from, which is the thing I don't think I've talked about a whole lot on here yet. Um, but I certainly will. Um, but meditation is a is a good way to um, to sort of both to bring yourself back to um, the moment and sort of escape these uh, the, these patterns that repeat in our brains, um, and it's also a good way to reinforce um, the. Oh man, I can never remember which is the sympathetic nervous system and which is the parasympathetic nervous system. I love scientific jargon. Uh, but basically, one of those is the thing that like gets you really worked up when you're really angry and on edge. And um, it's, it's, the, it's the, you know, fight or flight survival mode, like defensive. You, you know that feeling, I am sure, of like the adrenaline rush and like tensing up. Um, 
I, I think that's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, whatever, jargon. Um, the other part of our nervous system is the one that like relaxes and calms down and, and looks for peace. Um, and so meditation is a really good way to reinforce that. Um, but one of the things that Michelle taught me that I didn't know is that um, meditation also in particular um, uh, strengthens the connections in your brain that enable you to see the world as, um, instead of just a competition between everyone for resources, um, as, as something where we're all in it together. Um, and that is a thing that is, it's, it's, I'm sure people will disagree, but I, I feel very strongly that it is, um, it's true in a pretty absolute sense. We are all in this together. We're all here. We, we won't survive if all we do is fight each other. Um, and most of, most of the problems we have are from the mindset that we need to fight each other. Um, because if you look around, resources are not actually that scarce. Um, there's, there's plenty to go around and plenty for people to have plenty on top of that. Um, in terms of places to live, in terms of food, in terms of water, um, you know, we may we may get in a direction where that changes, and certainly there are there are obviously complications when you when you deal with like different countries and different regions and things like that. Um, but the 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 world is a place with far more to offer than we. Um, than we can consume if we so sort of go about it uh, cooperatively and collaboratively. Um, and I am a big believer in the power of cooperation and collaboration. Um, you know, competition is, uh, it's, it's not without its purposes, um, but there's a reason, you know, the, the, one of the great, like, computer science competitions of, uh, I mean, it's, it's been a while at this point, it's more than 10 years ago, was the Netflix Prize, um, which you may have heard of, which was Netflix was trying to improve their algorithm and they had really kind of hit a wall on how, how good their algorithm could be. And so they offered a prize. I think it was like a million dollars to whoever improved their algorithm by a certain amount. Um, and so a bunch of different computer science and data science teams set to work at it. Um, and the team that ended up winning was a combination of the two teams that had, uh, sort of done the best, um, uh, I, I believe that's the case. I know it was a combination of multiple teams that had been competing against each other. Um, and I think that is such an instructive thing about how, you know, competition can be useful, right? It gets you out of thinking the same thing as someone else, um, and it gives you an incentive, and, and there's value in that. But at the end of the day, the best work we can do is when we collaborate together, um, and when we bring the different things that different people have learned together into, uh, into one really powerful base of knowledge. Um, and so meditation reinforces the connections in your brain that enable you to see the world that way. Um, and that is a hugely important part to reaching the good world. We cannot have the good world for everyone if we think that we need to fight each other to get there. Um, you know, if, we, if we're all going to torture another metaphor here, but if we're all on a uh, on a riverfront, and the good world is on the other side of the river, and we're competing to build 
different bridges and we keep sabotaging each other's bridges and everyone's saying, no, we need to take my bridge. No, we need to take my bridge instead of, you know, this group saying, well, I, I learned that that part of the river has this issue. And so, you know, structurally what we need there is this and another group saying, okay, that's good. Cause at, at the near edge, you know, our approach works better. Um, and, and just combining all of that knowledge and figuring it out instead of blowing up each other's bridges and ensuring that no one ever gets anywhere. Um, so, uh, so practicing reinforcing the parts of our brains that enable us to be more cooperative, more collaborative, more patient with each other, um, is a really important thing. It's a really important part of the process. And so that's, um, that's why I've been practicing that. And that's why I would encourage you, whether it's meditation or something else, um, some kind of, some kind of peaceful habit that you can practice devoting your attention to and put care into, um, is, is going to be really useful. Um, I find meditation very helpful. It's certainly not the only thing I do, but it's, it's something I've started doing a lot and I, um, I have gotten a lot of, uh, of benefit from it. Um, as has my marriage. So that's good. Uh, okay. That's, uh, that's where we're going to leave that today. Now I'm going to, uh, do the actual meditation part. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll talk uh, a little more and then we'll, we'll go our separate ways for the day. Okie dokie. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go eat my sandwich. Uh, oh, well, I, I messed up the timing of recording this. I recorded this, uh, after I recorded the meditation. So you'll, you'll hear about the sandwich after the meditation. Okay. Bye. I figured out how to make it work. The countdown has started. And so soon we're going to get a bell and then 10 minutes later, we'll get another bell. Um, so I will see you in a bit.
go. The third bell. Sometimes it's like waking up in the morning. <sighs> I do feel very refreshed, though. Um, apologies for... There was a surprise bell in there that you may have noticed. Um, that's that's a phone iPad difference. You know the the Insight Timer app, which is the app that I use, has different settings, and so you can have you know different bells come up at different times. Um, and so sometimes, uh, especially when I do walking meditation, what I will often do um, is uh, is I'll have interval bells that just are. Uh, you know, it's if if I'm walking for 20 minutes, it'll be every five minutes. There's there's a middle bell, um, and that is, uh, you know, it's not that important to me to necessarily keep track of time specifically, um, but it is helpful as a reminder. You know, if you're meditating and and your mind wanders, um, it's nice to have the the internal reminder. Um, you know, where you, where you sort of catch yourself when your mind wanders. Um, but also a bell is a thing that reminds you like, oh, I'm meditating. I'm, I'm not supposed to be thinking about, you know, the weather or whatever I'm thinking about. So that's, that's what that surprise bell was. Um, I'm sorry if that threw you. I imagine it may have. Um, uh, but <laughs> uh, hopefully, I don't know, the fact that it was a different tone made you uh, not figure out pretty, helped you to figure out pretty quickly what was actually going on. Um, anyway. Uh, that was that. Okay, uh, we're, uh, it's, it's noontime here in, uh, here in Grass Valley, California, um, and I have, uh, I have a leftover sandwich. So yesterday, when we were coming back from, uh, from our, our weekend away, um, we went into a, a little, uh, deli to get some lunch, and I got a turkey club, and I was really excited for that, because I love a good turkey club. Um, and we... Uh, Susie and I decided we would we would switch driving about halfway through the drive, um, and so we were looking for a place to pull over, and there was an Italian market, uh, and they had chicken parm, and there are a few things I love more than chicken parm sandwiches. Um, also, let's let's be clear: I eat meat. Uh, I do like struggle a little bit with. Uh, both the sustainability aspect and um, I love animals and so like the idea of, of killing them and eating them is one that um, I struggle with but I also it's one it's re it's really delicious um, and it is also the case that like in the food chain in the world um, there there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of animals being killed for sustenance and so I at least um, you know I try to get my food from uh, from farms where it's done in a way that is not overtly cruel. Um, uh, I wish that our society made that more, that choice more accessible to people regardless of their level of wealth. It's a thing that's easier for me and Susie to do because it is more expensive. Um, and, and that's messed up and that's one of the many systems we need to fix. Anyway, that was a sidetrack from the Italian deli. Uh, so we, I had the turkey club and I was getting all set to eat it and we pull up at this Italian deli and I'm like, oh my God, I love chicken parm. Um, and so I decided that the turkey club I would set aside for what at the time was tomorrow, what is now today. Uh, when this posts, it will be yesterday. What is time? Um, but anyway, I have a leftover sandwich that I haven't had a bite of yet. So that's going to be my lunch. So I'm going to go eat that. Uh, but I hope you all have uh, an absolutely sparkling day. Um, and hopefully I will see you again tomorrow. Okay, bye. Just going to give you a little extra bonus here because this is what I found on the couch when I walked inside. Look at this goober. I know you're such a goober. Yeah.
Say bye to everyone. Say goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, Charlie.